What's going on guys? I'm Nate. And I'm Colin. And I'm Andy. And welcome back to Behind the Streams. So you may have noticed something a little different at the beginning of the episode, and that's because we brought on a very special guest. Uh, our friend Andy is with us today to talk about some music. Uh, Andy, say hi. Hi, everybody. What type of music do you like, Andy? Um, I prefer to listen to a lot of grunge, mostly from the 90s, like uh, Alice in Chains or Nirvana and a lot of Pearl Jam. So if you guys get the time, go on YouTube and search up Down in a Hole Unplugged and listen to the first one because it's fantastic. I might have to listen to that too. Uh, I mean, I think we know Colin's taste by now, but anything in particular <laughs> you've been listening to recently? Uh, we got the usual Mac Miller, but <laughs> I've also been listening to a lot of Radiohead again. Um, I rediscovered OK Computer a while ago, and I've really been into that album. But I listened to The Benz recently, and I've just been having those two albums on repeat recently. Uh, recently, I've been listening to a lot of jazz music. I've always listened to a, a pretty even split of hip-hop and jazz, but I've been jazz mode for about a few weeks now. And one artist I've really been into is Eric Dolphy. He was a saxophonist, bass clarinetist, and flutist in the mid-60s. Sadly, he died after in 1964 after only about a five-year career. He was very famous at the time for being incredibly controversial. Even Miles Davis was quoted to say that he's a good player, I just don't like how he plays. But he definitely got a lot of attention for his uh, strange t ideas in composition and soloing. He loved to just run notes up and down and up and down and play all over the place. I've really been getting into his music and it's really interesting stuff to listen to. What was that one album you were talking about earlier? It was about the guy with the plastic saxophone. Oh yeah, this is not Eric Dolphy, but it's another album I just listened to. It's called The Shape of Jazz to Come by Ornette Coleman. A uh, pretty popular album, especially among jazz listeners. But if you don't know it, the basic rundown is in 1959, Ornette Coleman took a plastic saxophone to an album with no piano player. It was just him, a bassist, a drummer, and a trumpet player, and explored harmonic ideas that some of the best players wouldn't even touch until the late 60s. So that album is also crazy to think about what he did before anyone else was willing to explore those crazy ideas. So now we're back with reviewing albums. Um, usually our music tastes are pretty conflicting, but we can always find a common ground. And for this one, we decided to review a 90s rap album, which is the genre that we all love. So for this week, we picked Equemini by Outkast. And the reason that I picked this album is because personally, every time I hear it, it makes me want to get up and dance. All the funk beats are so infectious and they really speak to your soul and make you just want to get up and be happy. Yeah, and I think to understand this album and just how great it is, I mean, you can listen to it for yourself and just realize how great the beats and the rapping are, but to really understand it, you've got to know the story of Outkast. So that's what I'm bringing today. Uh, Outkast was born in the early 90s. Uh, they're an Atlanta-based rap group consisting of Andre 3000 and Big Boy, who are two very conflicting personalities. Uh, Big Boy has always been all about the Southern rap lifestyle, traditional boom bap funk beats, talk about growing up and how what the struggle was. Andre 3000 is an innovator. He wanted to create, he wanted to push the boundaries, and he wanted to make something no one had ever made before. 
And because of this, people did not expect or want Outkast to work. They were actually booed off stage in 1995 Source Awards after they won the best rap group, uh, best new rap group, sorry. Andre 3000 at the end of his speech said, I'm just saying the South got something to say, that's all. And they were promptly booed off stage. People did not want Outkast to succeed. Not only were they such conflicting personalities, but they were trying to redefine what it meant to be Southern. Back in the 80s or 90s, when people said Southern pride, they thought of white supremacy, Confederate flags, bringing back slavery, terrible, terrible things like that. But Outkast, Andre 3000, and Big Boy knew that this is not what the South was to them. To them, the South was home. It was traditional African-American music. It was funk beats and good food and the good life. And they wanted the world to know that this is what it meant to them. Everyone wanted them to fail, but everyone wanted to see what they would do next. And in 1998, they released Equemini, their best album, in all of our opinions, I think. And they proved to the entire world that not only were they undeniably Southern, but they could stick together forever. So we're going to give our favorite songs and our ratings uh, in a little bit. But before we do that, uh, I just want to see what you guys' standout moments are, what makes this album great. I know Andy talked about it a little, but I want to hear it from everyone. What do you think, Colin? Uh, something I really enjoyed about this album was the super funky um, instrumentals. Like, you could hear the hip-hop beat, but there was also some jazz influences as well. And as well with, like, the lyricism, it's a nice little mixture of the mellow jazz rap from the 90s, like Tribe Called Quest. But it's also got the lyrics and, like, the flows of gangster rap, like N.W.A. You can hear the similarities of gangster rap with the boastful lyrics and the rapid-fire flows. But there's some singing going on in the choruses, and you can hear trumpets coming in every once in a while on songs, too. To add on to what Colin said, I loved how they took different kinds of instrumentals, similar to A Tribe Called Quest, and then rapped over them like typical gangster rappers would do. And I loved the falsettos done by Andre 3000 in some of the songs, because those falsettos just set a perfect tone for some of those songs, and they sound so great strung along with the amazing instrumentals of the album. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what I was talking about, how Andre 3000 was always there to innovate and create. He would take these like G-Funk beats that sound like they were off a Snoop Dogg album almost and then sing a falsetto chorus over it. It's just amazing how his mind was always 10 steps ahead of everyone else's just moving on to the next. I love the beat selection on this album too. They really picked the perfect beats to put themselves front and center. This isn't really about the instrumentals, even though I do like those. It's more about the rappers and their stories they have to tell. Songs like the artist storytelling part one and two really um, exercise their lyricism on there. But there's other songs like Rosa Parks that show their expertise at writing catchy hooks. Rosa Parks is such an interesting song because it really goes along with the whole outcast message and what they wanted to do with the South and redefine the image of it. They took the name of one of the most famous civil rights leaders and turned it into a classic Southern hoedown. There's a harmonica break, people laughing and clapping the whole time, and what I think is the best hook on the album. You can just listen to it and hear what I mean. Like the fact that they can create something out of those wildly different things and just put them together to make this perfect mashup of the South and what it meant to them, and it just sounds so great. It makes you want to get up and dance, honestly. I love Spody Odie Dopalicious. Honestly, oh. the trumpets in that song are absolutely astounding. And and it seems like in every single song, Big Boy or Andre is rapping over the beat. And they always have a crazy flow. But in this song, it's just simple speaking, talking over the beat. And it's a great break from the amazing flows of the album. 
I actually have a story about uh, Spodiotidopolicious. I was telling Colin about this last night, and he wants me to talk about it here. I was on vacation in Tennessee with my family. Uh, this was during the height of COVID, so we were staying up in a mountain house away from everyone else. It was just one week to get work done and relax. I uh, had learned about Outcast a few weeks before, and I had just listened to ATLians, and I wanted to get into Equemini. So I put on this album, sat on our porch deck, and uh, I was writing a paper for English when this song came on. And oh my God, it came on right as the sun was setting through the trees, down through the valley, across the mountains. I just heard the trumpet break come in. And I was sitting there, I turned off my computer and I just sat there and thought, man, this is the song, this is the life. And I knew right there what they were trying to get with that song. They wanted you to feel like how I felt. We should really try and put that song in here, hopefully towards the end of the episode. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can fit a clip uh, short enough that'll do it justice, but if you listen to one song off of this episode and nothing else, just listen to Spodioti Dopalicious and you will not be disappointed. It's pretty long, but it's absolutely worth it. So, uh, what do you guys think, like, favorite songs? Um, I'd say definitely Spodioti, but, um, I also really like Slump. I don't know why, I just, um, love, like, the vibe that Slump has. It's, like, really chill, but also sort of energetic at the same time. I don't really know how to describe it. And, of course, Rosa Parks as well. Yeah, while we're on the topic of, uh, Slump, that's actually something I wanted to bring up. The fact that, uh, obviously with Equemini, Outcast showed that Andre and Big Boy could mesh together so easily, but they also showed they could stand it on their own. The uh, stretch from Slump to West Savannah is pretty much just Big Boy with their Southern rap crew called Goody Mob, just doing the traditional Southern rapping, showing what it's all about. Andre comes in for a verse or two, I think, between the two songs, but that really is the Big Boy show. And as time went on with Outkast, Andre 3000 definitely remained the main personality and the head of the group. But just listen to those two songs and you'll know that Big Boy can hold his own and will hold his own. I really loved Synthesizer. There was something about the skit at the beginning, the Frankenstein skit at the beginning, and the way the organs fit into it. The organ instrumental is so, so good. And it's like... The persistent 808s throughout the song make you want to dance to it, even though it might, it it's, tends to be one of the more overlooked songs on the album, but it's a terrific song. You should absolutely give it a listen. And now I'm going to talk about what I've held back this whole time, but I'm ready to let it go. Aquemini, the song, is one of the greatest hip-hop songs I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, Just listen sure. to the hook, oh, and it completely solidifies every theme of this album and what they wanted to go with. Even the sun goes down, heroes eventually die, but until they close the curtain, it's him and I, Aquemini. Uh, Aquemini is a mix of Aquarius and Gemini, their star signs, they created their own, just to show that they are not even from this planet. Big Boy and Andre are nothing else. They are Aquemini, they are outcasts, and they are their own. And this song is just five minutes long. They trade verses back and forth and back and forth, and then the beat switches at the end. It starts skittering it starts scratching and the trumpets occasionally blare in and andre 3000's verse comes on it's a really short verse but the wordplay and the flow and the meaning and just the intensity that he delivers it with makes it what i think is the greatest hip-hop verse of all time that song is just incredible just imagine coming back from being booed off stage just a couple of years ago and then you hear outcast again and you just hear that verse i that would be crazy. Yeah, just the fact that they weren't deterred by literally being booed off stage. They could not finish their speech. 
And then they come back and make this. They didn't care what anyone thought because they knew what they were doing was right. And they were right. Think about how think about how prevalent Atlanta rap is today. Think about all of the really popular trap artists you hear on the radio that come from Atlanta. They wouldn't exist without Outkast showing the world that being Southern is okay. Not only is being Southern okay, but they redefined it. They took away the racism and they made it funky. They made it cool and they made it really be what the South was to them. And that inspired so many people to get out there and make their own rap music. And really, you don't you don't see enough appreciation for Outkast today. I mean, most people have heard the song, Hey Ya. Maybe you've heard the song, Miss Jackson. But they're still so underappreciated. And really, what they did for the rap scene is amazing. The way they did it. I never really hear it, but I think the argument that Andre 3001 is the greatest rappers of all time is a perfectly valid argument. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with it fully, but... I will definitely entertain the idea that Andre 3000 is the greatest rapper to ever live. His flows are infectious and the music he made and produced, and he was always one step ahead in everything. And the music he created in the fashion scene, in the ideas of battling racism in America, he was always one step, if not 10 steps ahead of everyone else. He literally lived in outer space. His mind was above all of us. It's absolutely insane. Honestly, this album is about as close as you can get to a perfect album. It's just um, the Mamacita hook is really oh. the only part I dislike on here. We have to talk about Mamacita, do we? I think I don't think there was really any escaping it. I don't think this song needed to be on the album. They didn't really add anything other than an annoying hook. And I didn't want to talk about it just because I love this album so much, but that song is just not good and it doesn't add anything to the album, sadly. You know what? I, I like Mamacita. Wow. You like I, the I like the hook. I like the hook. There's just something about the hook that is just, it's weirdly good. It's It seems wrong. Like it shouldn't be good, but it just is. And I love it. I don't know. It's so different from the rest of the album. Well, I mean, that whole album is so different from what the music was at the time anyway, so. Yeah, and I get the I shouldn't like it, but I love it thing. I know that's happened many, many times with me. I know that's happened with all of us. There's stuff that we listen to and you're like, man, I really shouldn't like this. This is not very good or this just isn't my thing, but you can't stop listening to it. Uh, I think there's one last song. I'm pretty sure we all want to talk about it just to end off, the, uh, end off our review of the songs at least. Chonky Fire. Can we all agree on Chonky Fire? What an Fire? outro. They literally take everything together. Andre's mind is in full effect, and he takes us to where his mind is. The insane synths and horns and drum patterns, what he raps about, just the intensity, and to cap it all off, the only way to end this album is by playing the clip of them getting booed off stage. Come on. There's no better way to end the album. The electric guitars on Chonky Fire, I love. The way they scream at certain points in the song and then the way they purr at other different points, it's so good. And it, there's nothing like it throughout the rest of the album. And it's it fits so well on the outro. It's awesome. I think um, guitar and rap really isn't um, exercised as much as it should be. Songs like 1985, what Nate talked By about Freddie from Gibbs, Alfredo. Yeah, that's one of my favorite songs of the whole year. I mean, just, I don't know what it is. It doesn't sound like it should work, but it does. Chalky Fire, 1985. I'm sure there's a ton more. Just electric guitar with rapping over it is surprisingly good. So after talking about the songs, do you guys have any more last thoughts before we give our ratings? 
Um, I think the cover is amazing. I forgot to slip this in during the last clip, but I think that's one of the coolest hip-hop covers I've ever seen. I know one song I forgot to mention is one I think gets overlooked a lot. It's The Art of Storytelling Part 2. Part 1 gets praised a lot for its amazing storytelling and how easily they can just lay out the events before you. But Andre 3000's idea on Part 2 was, I want to know what, what if the world was ending, what the last song ever made would sound like. And what he came up with is crazy. You just have to listen to it for yourself. All right, so if you remember from our last two album reviews, we like to uh, rate our albums just using one word because we feel like uh, out of 10 isn't really doesn't really encompass the album as a whole. The one word I would choose to sum up Aquemini is defiant. Andre and Big Boy defied everything. They defied getting booed off stage. They defied the critics telling them that they were too different. And they made Aquemini, which was the perfect synthesis of the forward-thinking progressiveness of the group and also the down-to-earth southern roots. And they completely redefined the South and inspired a whole generation of rappers. I would call this album Defiant. For me, I'd say the word that describes this album would be versatile. Big Boy and Andre 3000 all ride these beats masterfully. And it's the definition of adapting and overcoming. They were under one of the most like extreme circumstances after their first album was such a flop. And then they come out with this and they prove the whole world wrong. And there's, it's just, they're so talented at what they do. And they um, use their talents for good to show people that the South isn't all that bad. My one word would be bouncy because this album just makes me want to get up and bounce around and dance around without a singular care in the world, which is what they meant for it to do. So that is going to do it for today's episode. As always, you can follow us or WLTL on all socials. Uh, You can check out the playlists to go with this episode. Although I think just listening to this album start to finish would be the best way to really get the feel of what we were talking about. And don't forget to tune in to 88.1 WLTL to hear some great songs. As always, I'm Nate. I'm Colin. And I'm Andy. And thank you for tuning in to Behind the Streams. Thank you.